Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another new car special. Today, we have a new fast Range Rover. The 2023 Range Rover Sport gets 523 horsepower, BMW V8 option, and off-road cruise control EV coming in 2024. Land Rover has unveiled the 2023 Range Rover Sport and announced that the Porsche Cayenne rival will get an all-electric variant in 2024, becoming the brand's first ever EV. But even without the electric version in its lineup from launch, the Sport makes big advances over its predecessor with a new BMW-derived 4.4-liter V8 and a choice of two fed powertrains that can take you up to 70 miles or 113 kilometers on electric power. We've become accustomed to Range Rover, Range Rover models mostly low-key design updates and the third-generation Range Rover Sport sticks to that rule. Looking cleaner and more modern than the car it replaces without fundamentally changing the overall design, it borrows styling cues from it borrows styling cues both from its recently introduced 2022 Range Rover Big Brother and the older, smaller Evoque, including the ultra-slim headlamps and pop-out door handles. But sheer size differences apart, there's less chance of confusing the three at the back, where the Sport houses houses its light clusters and Range Rover badging in one horizontal strip underneath the rear window, with the license plate mounted some, some way below the unadored trunk lid. Inside, passengers are treated to increased legroom, available 2022, not 2022, 22-way adjustable massage seats, an advanced air purification system, optional 1,430-watt, 29-speaker Meridian Hi-Fi, active noise cancellation, and 13.7-inch digital instrument cluster. Much of the SUV's many gadgets are controlled through the 13.1-inch curved Pivo Pro touchscreen. The Land Rover's decision to fit Amazon Alexa means the voice control should actually, you know, work better than it does in many cars. Design-wise, there's a clear connection between the interiors of the Sport and full-size Range Rover, but the Sport's infotainment screen and console below it are less upright, creating a reminder that the Sport is meant to be the performance car of the pair. Even that new rear design and interior treatment doesn't reflect how much has changed beneath the surface. And we're not talking about the 2.1-inch or 54mm of extra wheelbase that pushes the distance between the wheels to 117.2 inches or 2,977 millimeters. Like the 2022 Range Rover, the, 20, the 23 Sport rides on Land Rover's MLA Flex platform, an architecture designed for EV, FEV, and mild hybrid vehicles, and a key weapon in the company's plan to roll out six pure electric models in the next four years. From launch, though, the Sport's mixture of gasoline, diesel, and plug-in hybrid options highlights a desire to keep customers with more traditional powertrain tastes happy. We've concentrated... We've concentrated on the motors available in Europe and North America, and the good news for drivers who appreciate mechanical refinement is that the old car's four-cylinder engines have been junked for, in for inline sixes, with a V8 available for performance gluttons. Every engine drives all four wheels through an eight-speed ZF automatic transmission, though the intelligent all-wheel drive system is able to decouple the front axle to improve efficiency when it senses that enough grip when it senses there's enough grip to get by with just two-wheel drive. So, the North American lineup consists of the P360 3.0-liter i6 turbo mild hybrid, producing 355 horsepower, 360 PS, 369 pound-feet or 500 newton-meters of torque, and can do 0-60 to 60 in 5.7 seconds. Then we have the P400 3.0 i6 turbo mild hybrid, with 395 horsepower or 400 PS, 406 pound-feet or 550 newton-meters of torque, and a 0-60 to 60 sprint of 5.4 seconds. 
Then you have the P440E 3-liter i6 turbo FEV with 434 horsepower, 440 PS, 457 pound-feet or 620 newton meters of torque, and a 0-60 to 60 sprint of 4 of 5.5 seconds. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit slower because it weighs more. Then you have the daddy, the P530 4.4 liter V8 turbo with 523 horsepower or 530 PS, 553 pound-feet or 750 newton meters of torque, and can do a 0 to 60 run in just 4.3 seconds. Then the European engine lineup goes like this. P400 3-liter i6 turbo mild hybrid with 395 horsepower or 400 PS, 406 pound-feet or 550 newton meters of torque, and can do the 0 to 60 run in 5.4 seconds. Then you have the P5 34.4 V8 turbo with 523 horsepower, 530 PS, 553 pound-feet or 750 newton meters of torque, and a 0 to 60 time of 4.3 seconds. Then you have the P440 E 3-liter i6 turbo FEV with 434 horsepower, 440 PS, 500, no, 457 pound-feet or 620 newton meters of torque, and can do the 0 to 60 run in 5.5 seconds. Then you have the P510E 3-liter i6 turbo FEV with 503 horsepower, 510 PS, 516 pound-feet or 700 newton meters of torque, and can do the 0 to 60 run in 5.2 seconds. Then you have the D300 3-liter i6 turbo MH, which has 296 horsepower or 300 PS, 479 pound-feet or 650 newton meters of torque, and can do the 0 to 60 run in 6.3 seconds. Lastly, you have the D350 3-liter i6 diesel MH, with 345 horsepower, 350 PA, uh, PS, 516 pound-feet, or 700 newton meters of torque, and can do the 0-60 run in 5.6 seconds. In common with its Range Rover Big Brother, the Sport borrows a 4.4-liter BMW V8 to power its range, topping P530, though you can bet that the V8's output will be massaged beyond 600 horses for the inevitable SVR version. Arguably more important, though, are the plug-in hybrid variants. Though the P510E is 69 horsepower, 70 PS more, more powerful than the P440E, both use the same 3-liter Ingenium inline 6 and 38.2 kilowatt hour battery pack. The P440E carries an impressive 71 miles or 114 kilometers WLTP electric driving range rating, and the P510 is only fractionally behind at 71 miles or 113 kilometers. Crucially, Land Rover's UK headquarters promises that the FEVs will be good for 54 real-world miles or 88 kilometers of driving, though the US gives a more conservative 48 mile or 77 kilometer estimate. That compares with a 30 mile 48 kilometer official range for the old P400E plug-in hybrid, or I say plug-in hybrid, plug-in. And like the 2022 Range Rover, the 23 Sport Fev has 50 kilowatt DC charging capability, meaning it can charge to 80% in only 40 minutes. The sport, the sports need to live up to its name on sealed roads. The sports need to live up to its name on sealed roads and still be able to breeze through an off-road course like an old Defender means it's arguably the most difficult Land Rover product for the company's engineers to get right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. To help satisfy that tricky Remit, to help satisfy that tricky Remit, every twenty every twenty twenty three model gets new switchable volume dual chamber air springs, plus the option of rear wheel steering, which is standard on higher spec models. There's also a forty eight volt active roll control that Land Rover claims gives similar roll resistance to old Range Rover Sport to the old Range Rover Sport SVR, but with added comfort. Buyers picking up one of the first edition launch cars get the Stormer Handling Pack, which includes roll control, rear steering, an electronic active differential, and torque vectoring by breaking all bundled together. Few owners will stray too far into the rough, but Land Rover claims the trick new air suspension system and rear wheel steering improved street driving manners also helps away from paved roads. 
The company's trademark terrain response controller makes a return appearance, but this time is joined by a new off-road cruise control system that monitors tilt, roll, pitch, and yaw, and adjusts the speed of the vehicle accordingly. There's also a wade mode, which sets the ride height to its maximum and automatically closes the cabin vents to allow you to crawl through wade. Sorry, to allow you to crawl through water up to 34, 35.4 inches or 900 millimeters deep. So how much does all this cost? Which makes the Range Rover a bit, a bit like an expensive driver's watch. It's clearly engineered to do far more than the average owner who is probably only looking for a smart luxury SUV to use on the street will ever ask of it. The Range Rover Sport is available to order in the UK, now priced from £79,125, and in the US from $83,000 for the entry-level P360 SE, right up to $121,500 for the P530 First Edition. That makes it more expensive than the outgoing Sport, which starts at $70,900, but significantly less expensive than the new 2022 Range Rover, which kicks off at $104,500. Which one would you buy? Alrighty, so with the hard stats out of the way, let's talk about the looks. Where did I just lost where my photo was, where my spot was? So, um, I'm... <sighs> I'm sorry to say, but this is probably one of the least attractive Range Rover Sports in recent memory for me. And by, and I, okay, okay, least attractive faces on a Range Rover Sport in recent memory. It's got a, eh, like a, on the lower part. The upper part looks very Range Rover Velar with the slim headlights and the slim grille. Love that. Lower part of the grille has a bit of a Jag F-Pace, what is it, what is it, F-Pace? Is it an SVR? I guess it is an S. What's the fast version? Because you have the Range Rover SVR. And then is it, let me check that. Okay, both cars do use the SVR moniker. I got confused. I'm like, wait, isn't that one for Jag? Yeah. So it's got a bit of a pudgy Jag F type or F pace SVR look to it that I don't really like. So instead of having side vents that are kind of I say free floating, but are kind of on the road, and then the frowning lower grill in the middle, what Range Rover has decided to do was have the upper grill, the slim upper grill, some body, a smiley, a small smiley face at the very top of the lower grill, more body that splits, that splits that, that splits the smiley grill from the bigger, lower, wide frowning grill, and then the vents flanking the split in between the smiley and the frowny grill. It, it kind of looks like a Pokemon kind of a face. I just, it, it looks like an creature, some some type of creature rather than a metallic person, rather than a metallic face, vehicular person kind of a deal. It, I, eh, there's too much going on for me personally. It's just a little too much going on. I'd rather they'd have simplified it and made the lower grill a little bit bigger, put pulled the vents a little bit lower because at, at this point, the vents kind of make the cheekbones. It's got like chipmunk kind of cheeks, very pudgy, very like chipmunk with acorns in its mouth. That's what it looks like. Or I say chipmunk, squirrel. Squirrel with acorns in its mouth. That's what it looks like. Or it looks reminiscent too. So I'm not quite a fan of that. Just a little little too messy, a little bit too much going on. I'd rather they just, again, move those side vents down, get rid of the smiley grill on the upper part of the lower, lower section of the front bumper, and then make the lower frowny grill that much bigger. Maybe a little bit narrower as well. That would have been better. For, that would have been better to me. But oh well, is what it is. I'd give the face like a six point seven, maybe six point eight. It looks very modern. Again, I love the headlights. I love the slim upper grille just below the hood. The rest of it, 
Eh, bit messy. Bit fussy, perhaps. If we go, let me see, if, can I find a profile shot? This is still one of the best profiles in all of SUVdom to me, really. I like the sloped roof, even though that hurts uh, That hurts headroom. I like the integrated spoiler they've added here, especially because it's a lot more aggressive. It's a lot more aggressive on, on this new Range Rover Sport than prior ones. It sticks out a lot further from the rear window. And what's nice about the rear window is that it's not stupidly raked like a lot of crossovers or CUVs are. They're still raked to it. It's still a Range Rover Sport, but it looks purposeful rather than just obnoxious, again, like a lot of SUVs. So the profile here, I would give... Honestly, like a 7.7 out of 10. Just such an attractive looking SUV. The high belt line and the lower roof here works. It's a really nice proportion. Makes it look kind of sleek, actually. The length, the relative length of this car also helps a little bit to that sleek look. If we go to the back here, let me find a better rear shot. One that is a little bit closer. Uh, I'm kind of 50-50 on it. I am glad that the license plate area is lower on the rear bumper. So instead of it being on the tailgate, it's on the rear bumper. I can even see where the shut line is for the tailgate. And the tailgate goes right above where the license holder is, which is nice. Below that, you have these very wide rectangular, rhombi rectangular looking exhaust tips, which are kind of cool, kind of fake looking. Although I suppose better than most other ones. As long as the, the actual exhaust tip routes to there, I'm fine with that. I, I'm okay with that. Looks good. Very classy. Very, Classy, but still sporty, a bit restrained, very mature, kind of very Range Rover, I suppose, almost almost uh, Jag-like in a sense, so that's that's rather good. I like the taillights, even though the taillights, they're very, very slim here, and they're a little bit too simplistic for my liking, you'll know what this thing is down the road pretty easily, so that's good, that's good. It's not just a, sim it's not just a stupid singular, singular light element where it's just one bar, like most SUVs or crossovers or, SU or CUVs have these days, which is quite nice. So it is actually distinctive, if just a little too simplistic for my liking. So the rear I would give, I think a 7.2, 7.3. Very attractive, very attractive, very modern, maybe a little simplistic in a few areas, but I suppose I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that over being overstyled most days of the week. So that's quite nice. I definitely prefer this with darker wheels. I've, I've just seen a shot of the Range Rover Sport with, they're not white, but they're definitely wider than the other wheels, like borderline, they're like brushed aluminum, like a bright brushed aluminum type, and it just, it doesn't work. And the reason why it doesn't work is because you have the two-tone, you have the body, you have the red body, and then the black roof, and you need more black to tie it all in because you don't have any black, you don't have any big pieces of black near the rest of the, near the rest of the body, not the roof, on the rest of the body, so the wheels ties that in nicely, but with the white, it, it just clashes. It's two, you have two colors and then the third, a third, a third random one that just really doesn't work. So if you're going to get this, you, hey, you can do what you want. I would personally recommend darker wheels though. It ties it in a lot better. It's more cohesive rather than, it's a little jarring seeing the bright wheels on this, on this relatively dark red body with the two-tone black roof. It just doesn't, it doesn't really work for me. So if we keep going, yeah, so I would give the exterior design overall, I think a 7.3. 7.3. Attractive, front end's a little, eh, not for me. Now, if we move to the interior, the interior, my guy, this is a Range Rover interior. This is gorgeous, very luxurious, not that sporty to me. Very, very luxurious, not that sporty. Once again, a very typical complaint for me where it's not. It, if this were a luxury car, it'd be very special to me. 
And the Range Rover is sort of a luxury car, but it, there's not enough sporty touches in it to make it sporty special. It's a luxury special, not sporty special. So I'd like a few more sport sporty touches in here to make it sport special. So on that front, I think it's a little bit let down. It's a little bit just, just a tad too luxurious, but... And I say too luxurious relative to how sporty it is. It's way more luxurious than it is sporty. That's why I'm saying it's too luxurious. You can never have too much luxury. Unless it's a race car, then yes, you can have too much luxury. But this is a just a fantastic, beautiful, astoundingly executed interior. This has got to be like an 8.3 out of 10. Just looking at the front passenger area with the driver's seat and the passenger seat and the dashboard, the steering wheel. The steering wheel's got a square airbag, airbag cover. But it's not massive, and it's a Range Rover. It works for me. The air, the steering wheel itself seems to be a relatively thin rim, actually, especially on the inside. Very uh, Chrysler, very 2015 to 2017 Chrysler 200 with the two-tone or Chrysler Pacifica, if you know what I'm talking about, where it has that white inlay and then the black outer rim. That, that's what's here, and it makes the steering wheel look a lot thinner, which I like. Very, almost like, almost like, uh, I don't know, steering with... Not a hula hoop, steering with just a ring. It makes it, rather than it being a steering wheel, it's like a steering ring, if that makes any sense. And I like that. For for sports cars and a few other cars, you'd wanna you'd want a thicker steering wheel for better grip. But I also like the inverse of that where it's a very thin, where it's a very thin, kind of light, visually light looking, and maybe visual and, and maybe physically light feeling steering wheel. I like that. The buttons on the steering wheel, they're okay. I think some of them are going to be a little confusing, but for the most part, it doesn't look like there's too many. Yeah, I like the steering wheel as well. Very, very nice looking steering wheel. I like the infotainment screen. I like the way they've integrated it. They haven't actually put it into the dash. It's technically a stick-on type, but it doesn't stick above the dash, like where the base of the window is. It doesn't do that. It's in a very traditional infotainment location where it's right in the middle of the dash, just above the lower center console, which is very, very nice. I say lower center console, center console. But yeah, so much better. I like this. I'd prefer it still be integrated, but if you're not going to integrate it, just don't have it stick up on top like like a phone mount, something stupid like that, maybe a tablet mount if they ever make that. So this is a just a gorgeous interior. Very, very masterfully designed dashboard. I love it. I think the only thing I may not like oh so much is the way the HVAC functions are tilted very, very, very much away from the driver because they have this kind of ramp up for the lower console that goes to meet the dashboard and the touchscreen. And because of that, the HVAC functions are tilted away from the driver a little bit, like the faces of them are. So grabbing them shouldn't be that bad. It's just that the faces, you might have to look up and down a little bit. Like you might have to pull yourself from the seat, look down a little bit to tell what the temperature is like, but that's okay. I say that's okay. It, it could be worse, but the rest of the buttons also have are are also similarly oriented. And again, not the best to me, but could be worse. Yeah, so honestly, I'm I'm really, really liking this interior. It's very intelligently designed, but it's also, it's modern and conventional at the same time. And that's what I like. It's not this stupid, modern, ridiculous, modern affair where again, it's a stick on tablet on top of the dash and all this stuff. It's just, it's a modern version of interiors we saw five years ago. A very modern version of interiors we saw five years ago. And normally you would think that, that that would strike it down because that would make it dated. And for some people, I could see that being a complaint. For me, though, that's not a complaint because I'm not I don't really like a lot of the modern a lot a lot of modern interiors that are being designed these days. I don't like a lot of modern interiors that are being designed because to me they're just the tablet on top of the dash motif is is a bit of a gimmick. We've had the infotainment be right in the middle of the dash 
for a reason. It works. And this is just a wonderful execution of a tried and true design. And that's why I like it. But they modernize it by not integrating the touchscreen into the dash structure itself. They allow it to free float. They allow it to still free float, which is very nice. Very nice in this execution. I quite like it. It's almost like having a TV screen, considering how big it is. It's almost like having a TV screen in your car. So this, this design, this kind of execution, I greatly prefer. And I'm so glad Land Rover did it this way, or Range Rover did it this way, rather than falling into the trap most other automakers have been falling into as of late. So that works. Tried and true design just made it even more elegant. Thank you, Range Rover. So I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep skipping through all the images here I like. One thing that is a little interesting is the headrest on these seats. It's almost like a... It's weird because it's not, it's not the way... It's not designed in the same way most normal headrests are. It's got this almost wrap around, almost like helmet type quality to it where it kind of wraps around. I wonder if they put some speakers in the headrest and it's right behind your ear. Because it kind of it wraps around a little bit like that. I love the colors they're adding, especially this blue, even though it's almost, you know, black. But it's it's just weird. It's almost like they took a neck pillow. Well, and I say a neck pillow. It's almost like they tried to make the headrest a neck pillow in a sense. So it, it kind of curves around your head in a very ergonomic fashion, though. I say very ergonomic fashion, not a very ergonomic fashion because it, it's not as it's not as aggressive as you might be picturing it to be. It really isn't. It's only slight. But again, a very interesting design choice. But it, again, it kind of cradles your head. Very, very interesting. I've just seen a red interior. I have just seen a also I've just seen a sketch of what they were thinking about doing for the uh Range Rover Sport, and this sketch is basically what I would have preferred. They got rid of the stupid mini smi uh, smiley grill on the lower portion of the face. They didn't quite bring the vents down on the fascia, but they let the lower grill, they made it bigger, they made it taller. They kept the width, I think, but they made it taller and let it breathe rather than just crowding the front end with a bunch of different, with a bunch of different design elements and vents and, I say vents, uh, not vents, but the little smiley grill up top. Basically, it's a much more conventional face, and I prefer that because it's not as odd-looking, as almost chip, as almost squirrel-looking, I should say. But what I was about to say was I've just seen an interior in it where it's red and blue. So most of the faces, most of the surfaces, like the airbag cover, the inner, the inner surface of the steering wheel, dashboard, all that stuff is red. But then the top of the dashboard, the outer rim of the steering wheel, and some of the door panels are blue. I imagine this will not be a popular look to most people, but I actually like this a lot. Mostly due to execution. This is such a cool... Honestly, I'd probably go this route and then regret it. But it look, upon first glance, it looks amazing and I love it. I love it a lot. I'm probably in the minority though. <laughs> yeah, so interior, I'm, I'm going to give... Honestly, I'm going to give an 8.8. .8. This is how interiors should have been looking for the last handful of years. As far as having... The touchscreen not integrated into the dash, but not just stuck on top of the dash like a stupid phone mount tablet arrangement. Overall, then visually or with everything with everything taken into account, I'm gonna give the car a 7.8. Really attractive looking car, very attractive looking product, gorgeous interior, well done Range Rover. If you could change the face though, change that in a facelift, this would be perfect. And I might I might just give it a nine if that ever happens. Hopefully the aftermarket will fix that though, because again. It'd have a nine, straight up. In any case, though, what do you all think of the new Range Rover Sport? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you somewhere in between? Let me know in the comments below. 
In any case, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, this new car special. If you did, please make sure to like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. And if you do subscribe, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Please make sure you hit the little notification bell, and then all notifications that way you're notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but you don't have or want the Podbean mobile app, Hey, not a problem. Boot up wherever you get your podcast. Type in Cody's Car Conundrum and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I will see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full-throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.